Hello there. I'm History of the Flash, but you could call me JD. And ahoy! I'm Comic Book Hunter, but you could call me Hunter. And welcome to A Hero Story, episode 29. Uh, last night, we both saw Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and boy, was it a good movie. It was uh, really if you good. Me on Instagram, if you follow me on Instagram, at History of the Flash, uh, you may have seen my story post, where I dare to say that it might be the greatest comic book movie of all time, and... Uh, I don't know. I'm, I usually I change my mind the next day, but I really love this movie so much. It, it was like it was. It felt like a comic book come to life. Like, but like a, it still felt comic booky, like the yeah, animation that, style. Which at first, like the first trailer, I didn't really like the animation style. But then, like it really grew on me. And in the movie, I loved it. It's perfect. Yeah, maybe first scene you might be like, oh, this animation style is going to be hard to get used to. But after ten seconds, you're used to it. And JD's right. It does feel like a comic book movie. Like. Not in the sense of, like, Spider-Man movies in general, but just the way it's animated and the way they have... Sometimes they have speech bubbles or, like, thought bubbles. It, it feels like we're watching a comic book, in a way. And and I think this might be the future of animation for uh, comic book movies. If, like, I'd like to see it start going this way, because this was honestly awesome, and... Like the way, um, like the different Spider-Man looked, like, you could almost see, like, the, like the little dots on them, like, how it would be in a comic book. Yeah. So... I really thought that was awesome. Um, the whole so, movie's like that, especially in like lighter scenes. You can really tell, like if there's a white wall, you can see the little dots as if it's like printed. So, it, yeah, if, yeah, it's like a we're inside a living comic book. Yeah, and the animation just flowed so nicely, which I thought was going to be pretty tough to do because like uh, you have somebody like Penny Parker who looks like almost like anime, and then you have somebody like Spider-Man Noir who looks like a comic book, and then you have Miles Morales who looks like just regular animation, and you have them all in the same scene, and it still flowed so well. So mm -hmm. they really good job on the uh, animation team. They really did a good job with this one. Uh, everything flowed so nicely. Yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't just the writing was great the characters were great uh this movie had laughs it had like sad moments the, the movie had so much heart uh which is something you don't see in every movie nowadays but this movie had heart yeah basically no flaws as far as we could tell but we'll do what we do for all our comic book movies that we see and review on here we talk about the good and then we'll talk about the bad and then the nerdy so good what, what was good about this besides what we just said <laughs> the the entire movie and all on the um the the plot was very good i thought the characters were very good uh and i mean that by every character uh sometimes a lot of your side characters in movies end up falling off and being weak but honestly i i felt like every even every side character was strong uh every spider-man spider person was uh really good and they made me like you know really enjoy their character and um somebody like spider gwen is somebody that i i don't care for in the comics but i thought she was pretty uh, awesome in this movie yeah, and, and Spider-Man like, Noir is somebody that I haven't read a lot of, but then I loved him in this movie, and I want to read him now. And Penny Parker, I I haven't read anything with, and except for like maybe Spider Genesis. Yeah. I think she shows up for a bit in that, but besides that, I haven't read a single thing of Penny Parker, and she was awesome in this. She was very funny and fun, I guess you could say. But uh, the animation style is amazing. The story alone, so it kind of follows Brian Michael Bendis' story back in the Ultimate Comics, where Miles Morales becomes Spider-Man because Peter Parker died. He needs to step up because he got bit by a radioactive spider. A little different from Peter's. But they changed some things in here. Like in Bendis' story, they don't add in Noir and Penny Parker and all that. So this one made it different, but there were good changes. Usually when a movie takes place taking exactly from the comic, like, say, Watchmen, when they add new things, it's usually not that 
good, but in this case, adding new things was a really, really smart idea. It was very good. Yeah, yeah, I, I could uh, definitely see that. Uh, I mean, I'm not somebody who's read the uh, Ultimate Comics. It's something that I plan to read. Don't Ooh. get mad at me. But uh, <laughs> I plan to read it. Uh, I'll buy it and trade one of these days. But uh, I, I really dug the story, and I thought uh, it worked well adding in these side characters. Um, you know, like every side character was just so lovable. I really loved them. Like they were, every, every character had heart. Yeah, even the villains, in a way, you could kind of see why their motive motivated to do these certain things like they're awful things because they're bad they're bad guys but we you can understand why they're doing it and you're still rooting for the heroes but it's not just like i'm gonna conquer the world because i want to there's reasons why they're doing the things they're doing so each character you're right each character was good and and they did a good job of juggling the villains uh comic book movies tend to struggle having multiple villains but uh, i felt like they put so much focus on kingpin that like the side villains still like they they felt good even though you didn't need too much depth on them you know yeah kingpin and prowler were basically the two main villains uh there there's characters like you said scorpion and doc ock but and uh green goblin but they were just kind of like there they were, they were there like it was like cool for the comic book fans to be like oh whoa oh it's green goblin but like you know they didn't have to be overdone yeah it, it was focused on kingpin and prowler as far as the villains goes and the spider people were focused on miles and peter but like and, and i guess spider gwen too but noir was there and penny park was there and spider ham was there but they were side characters but they still had a major role and they still had shiny moments these were really yeah. good in their moments yeah, and getting to see all the like, I love the way they did the superhero origin or each Spider-Man's origins. Yeah, um, like you, like they basically read their comic book, like, all right, let's do this again, and they go through like how they got their powers, you know, all their achievements, and then how they got to the Ultimate Universe. And I thought that was really well done to introduce the heroes. Yeah, because comic fans like us, we might know how Miles caused powers or how Gwen got her powers, but casual fans wouldn't. So they did a way of telling their origin in like a quick thirty seconds each. And they're all similar to each other, the way they're said. They all start with like, all right, let's do this one more time. I was spit by a radioactive spider. And then they kind of go on and on. There's like a quick montage of, like really quick montage of just them doing stuff as their origin. And then they end it with it. And now I'm here. So it was like really quick. And we got to know how they got there and how they got their powers. Really quick and really simple. Yeah. And it worked even... Worked every time. Sorry, English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, this is something that Hunter and I talked about before we started recording. Uh, like, movies are usually broken into three acts, a lot of these superhero movies. And the first two acts are usually pretty good, and the third act is usually where it starts to fall apart. Especially for superhero know, movies. Hero, like, yeah, especially. The hero kind of suits up and, like, gets ready to face the villain. But this one was strong throughout, and I thought act three was really well done, uh, Miles versus Kingpin. So, yeah, it, like, it, it works so well. It works so well. Every act, like honestly, like like honestly, as we talk about this, this honestly might be my favorite comic book movie of all time. Like it really felt like a comic book come to life. Yeah, I'm thinking about (laughs) it's definitely the best Spider-Man movie ever. I think like that's my opinion, but I think it's most people's opinion that see this movie would say it is the best Spider-Man movie ever made as of now. But Far From Home is still coming out. Uh, now, is this a better story than Spider-Man PS4, in your opinion? Oh, oh man, don't do this to me. I didn't even think That's of that. That's right? Because those are the two best. <laughs> yeah, uh, I no comment. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's not, you, there's no wrong answer to this. They're both so great. Yeah, PS4 Spider-Man story is amazing. 
I mean, this one's better than the DLC for sure, but <laughs> this one's still... Uh, that's tough. I- I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, what do you think? Is it better than PS4? It, it's tough. It's tough, but I think right now I'm giving it a slight edge over PS4, but maybe it's because I, like, I just saw the movie and I haven't played PS4 in a while. So maybe that's why, but like, I don't know. This was like a really great movie. Like everything was very well done. Mm-hmm. And it, like, th- this is one of the few uh, circumstances where I say like, yeah, this was something that was better done in the comics. Like, cause I've read Miles Spider-Man comics and I felt like he was better done in this movie than he was in, uh, in some comics because I feel like in comics, uh, they kind of make him like kind of angry and stuff like that. Like, I feel like they could take notes from how they did his characterization in this movie. Yeah. Like miles, uh, not always, but sometimes he got, he gets a little mad at times when fighting, you know, like if he's losing, he gets frustrated. And I think that's great. It's relatable yeah. in a way, but in this movie, he, that happens one point kind of in the halfway through point that halfway point in the movie, he kind of gets angry for a bit, but he doesn't really focus on that anger. He goes back to being calm eventually, which I think is good for this movie. I think it's yeah. better to show that he still gets frustrated, but he's calm in that matter. He's a better yeah, definitely. He's he's a better hero, I'd say. Yeah, uh, Aunt May was a badass. Um, <laughs> every scene she had, I was just like, "Damn, Aunt May's a badass." <laughs> um, I, I like the way they did her. Like like every side character, even like in the smallest little bit, was like, "Damn, that was pretty cool." Yeah. You know, like, I felt like every side character shined in a way. Yeah, true. Even, like, characters with one or two lines, like, there'd be a scientist that says something funny and it makes you laugh. Like, he took the bagel and, you know, it's funny. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a that character a with line. a, yeah, that's a character with a single line. And it made me smile. So, that's good. Yeah. That's so, all honestly, the, in, in the good category, we could honestly put every, <laughs> everything yeah, just in like, the movie. Like, <laughs> copy and paste the movie in and put it for the good category. <laughs> As far as the bad category, uh, I don't know. After the movie, I was thinking, because like, I know we review it like this, so I'm thinking, like, all right, what am I going to put in the bad category? And I'm like, hmm, I honestly can't think of any negatives. Usually I can find like, something like, oh, the comedy was like done to you know, like, undo a serious moment. Like, I have that problem with the MCU sometimes. Like, uh, a serious moment is overshadowed by comedy. But I felt like a lot, like pretty much all the comedy was very well placed in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Like, the comedy worked. And honestly, like, for as far as the Spider-Verse goes, I feel like comedy is something that you have to use. And it, it's Definitely. good that they're using it. Like, if the, if there's this much comedy in Aquaman next week, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Aquaman's not, like, a comedic character. So, uh, Spider-Man man. is, though. But, <laughs> my man. But, no, I'm hoping. I, I think, um... I don't know. I think my only downside would be is when I heard the rumor or the uh, the director said that he was originally considering Tobey Maguire for the role of the older Spider-Man because I think perfect. But Jake Johnson, I think that's his name, did a great job as the uh, older Spider-Man. So as much as I would have loved to have Tobey, I'm not overly upset. But I guess that's the only thing I could put in like my quote-unquote bad category. But honestly, I can't think of any real negatives. Mm, I had a bad experience when I first went in. Uh, the movie started, and it's like, please put on your 3D glasses, because I saw it in 3D. 3D glasses didn't work. Ugh. The 3D glasses did not work for anyone, so, like, it looked all weird. It was like, there's two of everything at first, and I'm just, I whispered to my friend next to me, like, are your glasses working? He's like, I don't know, I think that's just the style of the movie. Just keep watching. I'm like, okay. And you see everyone in the theaters kind of, like, taking their glasses off and on and looking around, and then eventually some guy went out, and we had to restart the movie 10 minutes in, because we watched the first 10 minutes all trippy looking 
So that's my bad opinion, but it was, it's a great <laughs> time. It. It's yeah. just a crappy Edmonton theater. It's not, yeah. a, it's not the movie's fault. Yeah, it's nothing to do with the movie. It's just a bad experience. But like, I, I still laughed at the jokes at the beginning. So you this know. is why this is why I, I mean, I personally do not like 3D movies. I, I will not see a 3D movie. I'd rather see it 2D. Just keep it, you know, I, I hate to wear the glasses. I feel like it doesn't really do much for the movie anyway, so that's how that's I fair. feel about that. That's fair. <laughs> well, now I kind of turned off by them since the 3D didn't work at first, but we're good. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that that's All our right, bad, so, um, I guess. That's the good, that's the bad, and let's go on to the nerdy. The nerdy is where we pull up any, like, references or anything we notice. Easter eggs. No, no major spoilers, elite. though. No, ma- no major spoilers here. Only the most here. elite comic book fans would notice. Yeah, um, exactly. This, this is, this uh, will not. We will not spoil the plot in any way or anything like that. This will just be like references that we noticed. Yeah. So on the on whenever they make a phone call, they scroll through the contacts. Um, you'll see quite a few comic creators on there. Brian Michael Bendis shows up quite a few times. Uh, Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, uh, John Romita Sr., who's a comic book artist for Spider-Man. He's like one of the best Spider-Man artists of all time. From like like old old like the 60s he, and 70s like, if you've seen spider-man you would recognize his art like if you googled yeah. him you probably recognize some of the pages he's done so there's yeah. that um uh, uh, go miles back and forth oh yeah miles's yeah, uh, roommate well, miles's roommate is uh his best friend from the comics gonk the uh kind of chubby uh, yeah he doesn't have any lines <laughs> so yeah like jd it, said he wasn't sure if he could tell that was gonk or not uh, I could because Gonk's like a huge comic fan and he's always on his computer reading comics. And so I'm like, okay, that's probably Gonk. He doesn't have any lines in this movie. So maybe they're setting that up for a potential sequel if we get one. I hope we do. But yeah, no I think lines. It's a sequel. I, I mean, I, I think it's going to do well in the box office. Yeah, we probably should get a sequel because if you stay till the end of the credits, there is an end credit scene. We won't say what it is, but there is an end credit scene at the very, very end. So wait till the very end and you'll see a little... Now, now let me ask. Let me ask you this: Like, they set up a sequel, but do you think a sequel is necessary? Not, I, not, not if they should make one, but is it necessary? Because no. I feel like they could leave it at just this. Yep, not at all. Not necessary at all. But I do want one. <laughs> this is really. Yeah, really I mean, I, I'd, I'd watch a sequel, but it's not like overly necessary. But I'd still, again, I'd still watch it. It was awesome. Yeah, it's not, like if we don't get a sequel, oh well, we'll just watch this movie a hundred times. But. <laughs> the, the, the end credits seem not saying what it is, but it did make me really excited and wanting more of that end credit scene. Yeah. So, it was yeah, that. Definitely. Uh, Stanley makes his cameo. Uh, Stan, he, Stanley's cameo was emotional. I, uh, I, I, I mean, I didn't like cry or anything like that, but I, I was like, it's my man Stanley. Yeah, I, I felt sad during it, but you know, what can you do? Uh, he, uh, his, the way his lines he has, I'm not going to say what it is, but it, it's really sad <laughs> at first like he says yeah, something yeah. and then he makes a joke but the first thing he says is like oh that hurts yeah it's it almost like he knew he was gonna like like he i, I don't know it, it felt like he was like saying it from beyond right like the yeah way he said it i don't yeah. know won't say what it is or what his cameo is but he does make a little obvi- obviously cameo. like he recorded this a while ago but oh like, yeah probably know. over a year ago if- I feel like he like knew it was like towards the end, which I guess when you're 95, you know you're towards the end. But still, yeah, just the thing he said know, like, was like, oh, <laughs> uh, like, it kind of hit me like, oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> halfway through the credits, we do do get a little thank you from Stanley, a little uh, quote from him, and a thank you to him and Steve Ditko who passed away early this year. So glad to see that Steve Ditko he uh, he helped make Spider-Man. Basically, Stanley had the idea of Spider-Man. Told Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby made him look like Captain America, and Stanley is like, okay, no, 
went to Steve Ditko, and Steve <laughs> Ditko designed Spider-Man's suit and designed uh, what he looked like. So Steve Ditko helped make Spider-Man. He's the co-creator of Spider-Man. So he doesn't get much credit like Stan Lee does. So he did get credit in this movie. They did, there was a thank you to him and a quote from him. And it said, thank you for telling us that we aren't alone, I think the quote was. So it's nice. Yeah. You just get that little coat. And the credits themselves are really fun to watch. It's just like, you know, some credits, they have little animations in it. This one did. And it was fun. It was funny. There's some references to some Spider-Man memes specifically from yeah. the original tv oh, show that was awesome i love the meme one <laughs> yeah so there's a few I meme actually, references I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah specifically to the old tv show so that's fun uh we another or do you have another one in mind well um i mean i don't know if it's nerdy but like christmas album was pretty dope i don't know if that's even ever showed up in the comics but like i thought that was really cool <laughs> yeah there's a peter parker christmas album that kind of plays during the credits which is fun they played during the credits and um chris pine uh is actually one of the voices uh, he plays the ultimate universe spider-man the yeah. ultimate universe peter parker rather uh, yeah which is pretty cool which i didn't know so jd just told me today uh yeah. oscar isaac also voices a specific person in this not gonna say who but it, it's a very short little cameo but it is oscar isaac's voice so maybe we'll see yeah. more of that in the sequel if we get one but it's like a little cameo possibly yeah uh there's a point in the movie this is in the trailer too where there's like a spider bay base cave place it's basically a back cave but with spider-man things and there's a lineup of all of these spider-man suits and holy references <laughs> there's uh there's yeah. ps4 spider-man there's stealth suit spider-man velocity spider-man iron spider uh secret war spider-man few more yeah sure. uh, a lot of the suits from spider-man ps4 like the armor ones like the mk3 and mk2 armors were in there yep think that's it for the suits that's for oh there's a more suits but that's as far as i remember one of the spider-men has a doctor strange cape on for some reason so yeah so yeah this spider-man has been through a lot jesus i think they said the ultimate universe spider-man has been spider-man for 15 years so yeah. i guess that's enough time to do all that stuff yeah um there, there's references to spider-man 3 uh there's references to well, there's references to like Tobey Maguire Spider Man and Andrew Garfield Spider Man, like uh, things they did as Spider Man, which I thought was really cool. And yeah, the Spider Man three uh, like reference really caught me by surprise because I did not expect that. Yeah, there's a few, it's a few. They kind of poke fun of Spider Man three in a way, which is kind of funny. Yeah, but I'm, I'm glad they kind of can because like it's their you know property, it's Sony's property. So I, I thought that was cool that they could make the references. Hmm. Spider Ham in it is basically a, a, a living cartoon, and he does have a Looney Tunes reference, and they kind of ask if that's legal for him to say that. <laughs> yeah, point. that, that was really funny. Because he is a cartoon, like he could pull out hammers from behind him, he could summon anvils basically to fall on people's heads, and which is fun to watch. It's really weird how he fits so well in the story. I think the voice yeah. actor did perfect. It can get weirder, so it's funny. J- John Mulaney, yeah. <laughs> He's a comedian. He's really funny. But yeah, that was uh, really well done. Nicolas Cage um, voices uh, uh, the Noir Spider-Man. And he's yeah, just... and he actually did really well with that. Yeah, Noir Spider-Man is basically like a dark detective story in black and white. And the way he talks is really funny. It's like, wow, that's a hardcore 
origin story or he says something like can we keep <laughs> yeah, moving so the fourth wall occasionally yeah he does or he says like really sad things he's like can we keep moving so my crippling depression doesn't catch up to me or something like that he's just like a really <laughs> dark spider-man who, and he's black and white because his comics are black and white they have no color so his entire character is black and white and he's like obsessed with color in it because this he's in a universe with color so he's like mind blown he doesn't know what colors yeah. are which he calls one thing. He calls like something red, purple at one point. So yeah, there's just... a really funny, there's a really funny scene at the end with that. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, some jokes they make reference to later on too. So that's that's fun. Yeah, but um, uh, if you go and see this, which I highly recommend, go see it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> make sure you stay around all the way to the end of the credits. Uh, even just watching the credits, you'll be entertained. Like you won't be bored watching the credits, waiting for the. Uh, you know, yeah, because yeah. we get that we get little animations, and then when the animation's over, it does the Stan Lee quote thing, and then we get uh, the Christmas album. So that's fun. Yeah. Oh, speaking um, of like album, the, the soundtrack of this movie is amazing. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm I'm not a huge fan of rap, which is why I was like, oh, I'm probably not gonna like the soundtrack that much. I thought every song like fit very well in the scene it was in. Yeah, I, I'm not that big on rap either, but it fit really, really well, and I just. The vibrant area of Brooklyn just it, it makes the sound just gl- kind of glow to it. It kind of feels like a music video at times. They kind of like run to yeah. the beat or jump to the beat and stuff like that. So it's kind of like yeah. a lot of people have compared it to the Black Panther soundtrack, which I agree it is similar to that kind of style. Kind of, but I feel like the Black Panther soundtrack, we only got like a few of the songs in the actual movie. Like I felt like we got like a lot more songs in this movie. Like oh yeah, that's like, true. And and I love the and I love the variation they had. Like they went from like post Malone to like Notorious B.I.G. to like just some random R and B. Like I, I, they had like a really good like flow of songs that probably shouldn't have fit, but really worked well. Yeah, they even had uh, Jaden Smith, Will Smith's son in it. Yeah, that's hot. That's yeah. hot. So yeah, that was nice. <laughs> It, but it fit it fit really well and sometimes like you it was like a comic so you take a step and you see like little little taps to his feet walking when you see the word tap 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 as he walks because like even when they punch you see a little power boom or something like that like but it wasn't so much that it felt cheesy or distracting like the lego batman movie it actually worked really well this it fit in yeah yeah, uh, but I think that's about it for the nerdy section without getting into spoilers at least. Yeah, yeah. There, there's more, but we won't spoil what the others are because they, they do spoil the plot. A so what do you rate it out of 10? Uh, 10. I'm serious, <laughs> 10. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. Uh, 10 and this, like, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not sure just yet, but it's definitely in my top five comic book movies of all time, but this might be my number one. It, it was just, it was really well done. And my, yeah, yeah. I, I might have been just to be honest i loved it i'll it, definitely be buying that one on blu-ray yeah yo i will too it's my favorite spider-man movie it's my favorite movie of 2018 i think but aquaman's next week so we'll see <laughs> honestly i'm really excited for aquaman but it's gonna have to do something pretty great to surpass this that, that's what I, that, I was thinking the same exact thing i was like wow this just set my expectations way too high for aquaman <laughs> we'll see we'll compare it ne- next week's episode we will be reviewing aquaman so we'll see we'll see you know uh, yeah, no, yeah, that, that, it was good. Ten out of ten, for me, it's like the perfect movie. Go see it, definitely. Make up your own opinion. I know it's got a good Rotten Tomato score, but that means nothing. Yeah, don't make your own opinion about it. I think it, it has a hundred percent. I think you'll really enjoy it. <laughs> I think it has a hundred. It might be at ninety nine. I think it got one negative review. Oh, okay. Still, it's like pretty good. Yeah, no, it was it was great, and 
the score, which I never agree with Ron Tomatoes, but for once I do. <laughs> yep. But no, um, yeah, that's that's about it. That's our Into the Spider-Verse review. I hope you enjoyed, and I hope you go see it if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And um, as we approach the 24-minute mark, yep. um, we didn't really have any news this week. Um, the, the CW crossover happened. I still haven't watched it because finals week has been... I watched it. Um, I watched but, in between studying. Was, so it was, it was it was a three part crossover. Elseworlds. Yeah. Um, I've, I've heard actually a lot of good things about it. I heard a lot of people loved it. It was probably um, the best crossover yet, honestly. And that's coming I, I, from a guy I, who doesn't really like CW. Yeah, and I feel like that happens with every crossover. And uh, speaking of every crossover, the next crossover will be Crisis on Infinite Earths announced official. Yeah. Um, if you go back to our. Our episode with World of Flash, um, I called it. Uh, no, nah, but I've been saying this is going to happen ever since we saw that newspaper, the uh, 2024 newspaper. So. And now it's yeah, happening it's be- in 2019. So maybe they'll do a time and jump I'm gonna, to 2024? Uh, I'm going to call it right now. We're going to see Tom Welling Superman, guaranteed. Oh, yeah. I can see that. I can totally see that. I mean, this, this crossover itself, we got 90s Flash, and we got some suits from uh, Smallville. Just kind of like dead people wearing yeah. them. So, <laughs> and at the start of episode one, I believe, part one, uh, this crossover itself, uh, you haven't seen it yet, but it's good. I think they kind of did some false advertising, like 90s flashes in it, but only for about, I think he has like two minutes of screen time, maybe three. Oh. That's about it. Well. Yeah. Well, like that's something. <laughs> he has three scenes and they're all about less than a minute each. We don't oh, see him fight. We, we don't even see him run, I don't think. Oh, we see him run once. But that's about it. So maybe they're okay. just saving him for Crisis on Infinite Earths, I guess. Crisis on Infinite Earths is interesting because um, in that story, Supergirl dies in Crisis on Infinite Earths number seven, and The Flash, Barry Allen, dies in Crisis on Infinite Earths number eight, which is like, oh, those are the two flagship characters for the CW. Now, I don't think they're going to kill off Supergirl or The Flash, but... Wouldn't put my money on Green Arrow surviving. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could see them killing off Flash maybe and having Redhead Wally come in. I hope, I hope. having North. I feel like they would have Nora take over. Oh no. I, I feel like Wally isn't established enough on the CW, and the actor has a lot of stuff going on. So I don't even think he could be the main character. The, of the actor show. basically quit. And I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, basically, and I feel like the one playing Nora is the one who's like always there, and they're kind of setting her up to be a legacy character now. So, I could see her taking over, but I, I don't see them killing off Barry. Okay, that's fair. If, if anyone's gonna die, it's gonna be Green Arrow. Although, um, I heard about the John Stewart stuff, the John Diggle Stewart. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a version of him where he's a Green Lantern in Christ on Infinite Earths. I hope so. That'd be really cool. I really the CGI want that. probably wouldn't be good because it's CW, but it would be uh, interesting yeah, to see a Green Lantern. I could see them doing Flash together. I mean, this is Crisis. I could see them doing all of like say like a three night crossover event, a three week crossover event, maybe. That that would yeah, more episodes would be better. Like, don't make it like how Flashpoint was only three episodes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could see it being like be nine. That, like, that would be interesting. How many issues was Crisis? Wasn't it twelve? Twelve? Maybe it could be twelve. Yeah, I'd be yeah okay no, that would be cool. Yeah, I mean, Crisis, Crisis is like kind of a dated story. Like, if you read it nowadays, you probably wouldn't like it that much. You just got to know the kind of the ram- ramifications it has and how it sets up, in my opinion, the best time period at DC. 
Yeah, that's fair. Uh, maybe they even have Batman in it. They they're gonna have Batwoman for sure since she was just in this crossover and she's getting her own TV show. Batwoman, Superman, Supergirl. Apparently, See, uh, Superman's getting a TV show, right? I wonder if that's that's a happen. rumor. That's only if this crossover did well, and they did set Superman up with something at the end. Uh, yeah, you haven't seen it, so I guess I won't say what. But <laughs> it, it how was Lois Lane? I, I, I she was I, good. I heard some things about. She her. was very rebirthy, so she was very kind of sassy at times, but she was very loving to Clark. And every time there's danger, she's like, "Go." Like go go get him because Clark would always like look at Lois like I I gotta go and she's like just go, but like and not in a, like an annoyed way in a like they need you way. So okay, interesting. Yeah, it was good. Uh, they set something up with her at the end, big time, like big time. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm sure she'll return for if Superman doesn't get his own show, he'll return for the next crossover next year for sure. Well- Granted, they uh, they kind of put Superman to the sidelines for a bit, so he's not going to appear in Supergirl for a long time. They they gave him something to go off Earth for, basically. So okay. no more Superman. They did the same thing with Batman. They they did a reason for why Batman wasn't there. Basically, they said he's been out of Gotham for two years. No one's seen him. So I feel like that could be the whole training thing for five years, like in the comics. You know how he leaves for five years to train. So. Maybe yeah. he'll be back in three. I don't know. But he's been missing for two years. It might have been three years. I think it's two years, though. So, we'll see. I love Batman to come in because uh, in the crossover, Oliver Queen said he hates Batman. So, I'd like to see that little <laughs> dynamic. And how he... Uh, Interesting. He's, yeah, he says he thinks Batman's a rumor. And then when he finds out he's not, he's just saying how he's like just a wannabe and he hates Batman and stuff like that. So, I'm interested in that. he's basically green Batman. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, there's a funny scene where... Cause Oliver and Barry, they switch bodies, so everyone thinks Barry is Oliver. And he's just like, okay, well, I hate Batman, so don't act all, like, fanboy to Batman, because Barry loves Batman. So when they meet Batwoman, he's just like, Barry as Green Arrow said something like, trust me, I would not want to be in the presence of a total badass like Batman, and then just kind of smiles at Oliver. So <laughs> Interesting. All right. It was fun. Yeah, I, I heard the crossover was, like, very, like, fan service Like, uh, Oh, yeah, big time. It's like that, so. Big time. Right, it was cool. Yeah, right, I have to check it out in the upcoming days. Um, so that's about it for our news. So um, we'll go on to the comics of the week. This was a uh, huge comic week. We probably oh, won't yeah. be able to get to all the comics, but we'll get to the biggies. Um, mm-hmm. This this week was expensive. Yeah, <laughs> like I spent thirty eight dollars. I spent thirty eight. Like thirty to I think like thirty three dollars, and I usually spend like twenty to twenty five a week. So this was like, oh, okay, not expecting it to be that expensive. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a good week of comics, somewhat. But uh, anyway, our comics of the week. Uh, we'll start with, I guess, the big one, which is The Batman Who Laughs, number one. Um, this comic was confusing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is going to be a mini series, right? Like six issues? Yeah. I, uh, is it six? Hold on, I have them right here. Is it six or 12? Uh, is six. A mini or six. Maxi, yeah, six. Okay, a, a six-issue miniseries, so I'm like, okay, this is this should be interesting. Um, it, the first issue was very confusing to me. I mean, I'm not going to say it's bad. It was just confusing. Yeah. I, it, I'm, not even gonna, I'm not even going to attempt to give a recap. Hunter, if you could give a recap, that'd be great. Okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, it, it starts confusing. off in Gotham, you know, in, in our regular Earth. 
Is it Earth Prime or Earth One? What do we call our regular Earth? I feel like that's a dumb uh, question. Earth Prime, because Earth One would technically be the. Oh yeah, because that'd be like the, the uh, Earth One, one like comics. Superman yeah. Earth One, Batman Earth One. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Earth Prime. So we are we're on Earth Prime. Gotham now. It's basically uh Batman is chasing these people on like a runaway house attached to a car, and like these people fall off a bridge and he saves them. Blah blah blah. Fights them off, and inside this uh house car thing there is a coffin with bruce wayne in it nanny so uh batman kind of disguises himself to uh go into a morgue to like examine bruce wayne and he's like looking and bruce wayne has all these scars on him that bruce wayne actually had or i'll call him dead bruce wayne dead bruce wayne has all these scars that real bruce wayne has from like different fights and he's just like what the heck how how is this happening except for after bane broke his back after Bane broke his back, the scars kind of stop, but real Bruce Wayne scars keep going. So he's like, okay, apparently this Batman, after Bruce Wayne, or after Bruce Wayne, after Bane broke his back, he stopped being Batman and he became a happier person. He has like lines on his mouth that imply that he smiles a lot and like laugh lines saying that he laughs a lot. And so he's just like, okay, this one's happy. Okay. And he also <laughs> had a tattoo. He had, he had a tattoo that oh, said yeah. May. And then they were like, what does May mean? And he said, it's his daughter's name. He said that if Selena and I were to ever have kids, I would have named, and we had a daughter, I would name her May, which I was like, oh, Bruce. Yeah. That's cute. That's kind of sad. Yeah, because uh, it evokes an, a new start, a new beginning, according to Bruce. So that's cute. Yeah. Uh, anyways, he kind of he kind of leaves, goes to Arkham Asylum. Well, he doesn't go. We go to Arkham Asylum, and there is the Batman from the New Earth, who's basically Punisher. He's a Batman with a ton of guns. He goes and he kills a bunch of guards. And then he, like, almost kills Mr. Freeze. He, like, throws, like, a flashbang at him. At his skin. And he, like, burns. But he's alive. He lived. Goes around killing all these guards as Batman. Opens the door. There's a Joker there. And he he's basically... Joker's just like, oh, are you here to kill me? And then he says no. And then the Batman laughs. Comes in and he's like, I'm here to kill you. And then kills that Joker. But turns out that Joker was a fake. Uh, go back to... Uh, on a rooftop real batman with commissioner gordon they're talking about the batman laughs saying like oh he's a monster i don't know what he's doing here we gotta stop him he's one bad boy yeah <laughs> go to the bat cave now batman's in the bat cave he's talking to alfred and then they're just like who's here who's here someone's in the bat cave right now and then out of the water appears the real joker i guess and batman says joker you'll be safe here the batman laughs is hunting you down and he's just like i don't want to be safe and then he goes to shoot batman but it's like a fake gun. So when he pulls well, the it, trigger... Yeah, what? The, gun go, the gun shoots backwards. Like, it shoots him. Yeah, yeah. So when he pulls the, the trigger, end. the bullet shoots back. And it shoots him, like, in the heart, it looks like. And he starts to start... He starts to die. And Batman's like, oh, no, no. I had this theory that uh, when Joker's heart stops, a huge gas goes off that turns everyone into the next Joker. So he's, like, holding Joker's body. And then the gas goes off. And then Batman becomes Joker... Yeah, he like he like starts laughing, and he's got the white face and the red eyes, and that's where the issue ends. Um, very confusing. <laughs> yep, I tried to recap. I'm sorry for those who don't read comics that are listening here and or don't read the Batman of Laughs. But that, that was a better job than I could have done for sure. <laughs> I'm flipping through the pages. <laughs> it was. I mean, the cover is nice and vinyl, so that that's nice. It's got that nice. Yeah, no, little... I mean. It's I don't know the writing wasn't bad it was just very confusing and I guess very. this is the first issue but like 
considering it's only one of six, like I need a little more info on the first one. But yeah, it, it's just confusing. That that's it. Because the end, it's like, why is Batman becoming Joker? I don't know. It, it's really confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, did rating? Joker die? I don't think. I don't think Scott Snyder because Snyder write this. Yeah, I don't think Snyder has can can kill off Joker in this book here. I don't think that's nice of him to do because you know Joker's returning in Jeff Johns run. So, yeah, in Doomsday Clock, Joker appears. Yeah, so Joker's not dead. I don't know what Snyder's doing here, but I don't like it. <laughs> it's it, it's misdirection, but like I don't know. Uh, I'll keep I'm reading confused. it. I'll keep reading. Yeah, it for I'm sure. gonna read all six issues, but yeah, I don't know. This was confusing. I I want to know more about the Batman Who Laughs, so I'm interested in the series. But the yeah, he was one of the better parts of Metal, in my opinion. Yeah, I liked him. I liked Red Death, and I didn't really like the rest of Metal. I'm, I'm not I a Metal fan. Drowned, but yeah, that's about. I it. don't know. I it's okay. Um, I don't even know how to rate this issue because I just I felt like I didn't understand it. I feel like you need to read this like in trade <laughs> i yeah. say that about every series but but it's true it's not enough info for me to like rate anything i don't know yeah i was very confused. as an issue alone it probably wouldn't be a good review right because like it's just confusing yeah i'm sure it will make sense after six issues you might be like oh okay but right now i mean i think this is a monthly too so we have to wait till 2019 to know what happens next it's like a year <laughs> oh, away but uh i apologize but you know what do you rate the issue um maybe in a six i, I don't know I, I really don't know how to rate this just because i didn't understand it but i guess i'll go like a six out of ten i go like a five maybe four honestly i, I wasn't having fun reading it. they made a dark knight returns reference oh yeah like, okay i guess that's cool. nice um <laughs> yeah all right that's batman who last number one uh we'll keep reading it we'll keep reviewing it uh the next comic is Batman Annual Number Three, not written by Tom King, written by another Tom, Tom Taylor. Uh, this issue was the best issue of the 2016 Batman run. Yep. Yep. Best best Batman Rebirth <laughs> issue. Agreed. And it's, it's not written it's, by Tom King. It's it's not written by Tom King. It's uh it's focused on Batman and Alfred uh, on their relationship basically. And, Mostly uh, Alfred. It's, yeah, mostly Alfred. Like you basically get the Alfred con the Alfred parts of like when Bruce is out. And it it's interesting to see Alfred because he's like he has to stay awake as long as Batman's awake. So when Batman doesn't sleep for three days straight, Alfred doesn't sleep for three days straight. Like he Plus, said he can only sleep <laughs> when he knows Bruce is safe. Yeah. And he also needs to make the calls and all that, but being like Bruce Wayne can't make this appointment. He's he's sick right now or uh he has to cook the food and everything, so Batman may be getting punched, but Alfred's getting punched mentally in a way. It's deep. Yeah, it's not. It's not easy to be the Batman's butler. I mean, you gotta like, you gotta cover so much stuff, and you gotta, you know, you, you basically live your life as Bruce Wayne. You know, he's got the flu. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. So it, it's interesting to see that. And um, apparently, Alfred wasn't gonna stay with the Waynes. He was gonna leave the Waynes, but then they got killed, so he had to stay. He had to be Bruce's guardian. So that was an interesting concept to me. Yeah. Um. So Bruce is going after this villain who, I don't know if we got a name on him, but he's got like a white mask, like an all white mask. Oh. And he wears uh, like a suit. I, yeah. I didn't see a name. Oh, the drone. Is that his name? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, Bruce is going after him, but Bruce has the flu, and Alfred's like, "You can't go out there." He's like, "I have to go take out the drone," and he's like, "All right, take this soup." And he's like, "You expect me to take soup in a jet?" 
He's like, I put it in a thermos for you, which I was like, oh, Alfred. <laughs> so he, he takes it off. And uh, while he's waiting, like, you know, he doesn't want to be like he he prepares for his return, which I thought was like, OK, that's interesting. Yes, yeah, so to anticipate so he, what he needs. He like gets he, he sharpens batarangs. He gets the cape ready and uh, he like puts a mint on his pillow. <laughs> he's a butler and it's really nice. Iron's gotten in like a dog fight in the jet, and he's like, "Oh no!" And he realizes that the building like left no survivors except for one. He sees one survivor, and he goes to pick him up, and he gets stabbed. Or, Oof. Uh, the guy—it was the drone guy who stabbed him, and uh, he's like, "You can't stop me!" Boom, punched him up. And what does Batman do? He throws the thermos of soup at him, <laughs> which was very funny. He uses Alfred's thermos of soup just for that. Um, Batman's pretty badly injured because he got stabbed. He's calling Alfred and he's like, I need, I need, I need a pickup. And he's like, uh, Alfred's like, can you make it to the Batwing? He's like, no. And then Batman like, collapses in an alley. Alfred throws on a bat mask, which was badass. And I think he goes in the Batmobile. Yeah. But I'm has, not sure. His reaction though, like his eyes go wide and he just books it <laughs> to the Batmobile. Yeah. yeah he goes in a, a Batmobile, one of them. Yeah, uh, so Bruce is in an alley, and two thugs come up and like, "Whoa, it's the real Batman! Let's rob him!" And then Alfred comes. Alfred comes up, and he's like, "Were you truly planning on mugging the Batman?" And then he's like, "I wouldn't touch me. This cowl is charged. It won't kill you, but it certainly won't tickle either." I wish I could do a British accent. If I if I could, I would read it you like can't that. Do a British uh, Alfred, gentlemen, I suggest you change <laughs> careers. Oh, your next deserved tra- thrashing will come from a man who is far more punishing and far more proficient at it than I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alfred beats the crap out of these guys, but they get a nice hit on Alfred right in the face and in the shoulder. And um, he's able to take him down. And then he picks up Batman, puts him in the car, and he brings him to Leslie Tompkins. He's losing a lot of blood, though. So he throws in an autopilot, and he's transporting blood into Bruce, the O negative, which anybody could take. Uh, he brings him to Leslie, and Leslie's like, "He'll be he's stable, he'll be fine." But we need to, you know, we need to check on you. And Alfred's like, "I'm fine." And she's like, "Oh, I see where he gets it from." Because Bruce, <laughs> like Alfred, talks a lot like Bruce here. Like, "I'm fine. I don't need any medical attention." And then uh, he's got like a slight concussion and a black eye, and I think he got stabbed in the shoulder. So, um, but Alfred says like it's all worth it to know, like even when he's walking in town, that he says every time I walk through Gotham, I I see people with family, with friends, with lives, people who wouldn't be here without him. Which I was like, that's a really good perspective. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Bruce finally wakes up and uh, he goes to go check on Alfred, and he sees Leslie. Leslie's like, let him rest, and he's uh, sleeping, she's yeah. like, he needs time to heal, and I suggest that you also need time to heal. So we wake up in Wayne Manor the next day. Alfred wakes up in his bed and he's like panicking. And he's like, what? No. And then uh, Bruce is like, don't worry, you're fine. Uh, he made crumpets, but he burnt them. And he makes a really funny joke here uh, that he like he's brought down elaborate global criminal empires using the biggest scrap, uh, using the barest scraps of information. But I don't know how to work a toaster to make a crumpet. Yeah, so that was really funny. Um, so he takes care of Alfred and he's like, are you going out there? And he's like, no. Um, I sent out Duke and Cassandra to go on patrol. I'm staying in because I need to, you know, make sure you're okay. And we find out that it's actually Father's Day. And yeah, it was she was really called sweet. Father's it was Day. Really nice so, yeah, it, oh. it was a really sweet ending. Yeah, it, it, it was. It was a great look into Bruce and Alfred's relationship, which I loved. Mm-hmm. And it's good to have like a a issue focus on Alfred once in a while, and a good Batman issue once in a while. 
This is an annual, so it's <laughs> I, I a little think, longer than the regular issues. Yeah, and I and I think an annual is a perfect place to do some of those character moments, like for Alfred. Yeah, because an so, annual doesn't I, have to I focus like on the main story. You could just focus on anything. So. Yeah, uh, uh, I like that a lot. The artist by Otto Schmidt. He did uh, the first like forty-five issues or something of the Green Arrow Rebirth run. I think I some people don't like his art. I think he's a great artist. I think he really fits Green Arrow's style, and I like his Batman style too. I admit, he was one of my yeah, top I choices don't... for uh, Grant Morrison's Green Lantern run when that was rumored. I wanted him to be on art, but I'm glad uh, we got who we have now, Liam Carpenter. So the, or not Carpenter, Liam Sharp. Liam Sharp, yeah. <laughs> so this is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I think that. Like, the art style is not for everyone. I could see why people don't like it, but I kind of dug it. I think it worked for this story, for an Alfred-based story. Yeah, yeah, he draws Alfred good. So I'll take it. Uh, what, what do you rate the issue? Um, I give it, like, a 9. 9.5, maybe? Yeah, I'd, I'd go 9.5. I might even go 10. I really didn't have any problems with this issue. Yeah, maybe 10. Really nice. Maybe 10. I, I thought it was some nice character building, and I thought, uh, I don't know, I, th- I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Maybe love, maybe love Alfred. <laughs> Should we uh, stick on the Batman road and quickly do Detective Comics? Yeah, we could jump right on to the three Batmans in a row. Wow, uh, yeah. Detective Comics number nine ninety four. Pete Tomasi on Detective, which I've been waiting, jonesing for. I love Pete Tomasi's writing, as many of you may know from listening to this podcast. I love his Superman Rebirth. I love his Super Sons. Really, everything he writes is just awesome. Yeah, he also <laughs> did. Uh, he did Batman and Robin, right? Batman and Robin, he Green yeah. Lanterns and the New Fifty Two. So he's a great. He, he's done a lot of great work. He's, he's a great writer. He actually yeah. made me love Damien because I really didn't like Damien, and then I read Batman and Robin, New Fifty Two, and I started to really like Damien. Yeah, so I agree. He, he does really good character building. Yeah, he does. So I was excited to have him on Detective because Detective has been weak lately without James Tinion. I feel at least. I thought James Tinion did a really good job, but whoever took over after him just did not have the same Just kind did of not flow. do a good job, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no offense. I know he tried his best, but uh, it just wasn't for me. The whole Two-Face storyline was kind of weak, in my opinion. Um, so this story, there's uh, we go over kind of like the how the Waynes died. And, um, uh, like, you know, it's, it's just to remind you the Waynes are dead. And we get two dead bodies that are the Waynes. And they're up on the roof of GCPD, I guess. They're in, like, a pool of, like, water. Like yeah, in like a like a, an aquarium of water almost that are like floating in there. Yeah, it was in a it was in a zoo I think because they said the zookeeper found them. Oh no, an aquarium, yeah, yeah. Gotham City Aquarium. Yeah. Uh, so then, obviously, Bruce knows these bodies better than anyone because he studied the case so much, and Gordon knows a good amount because he was the police. Uh, he was the detective on that case. So um, they like release the bodies out. Like uh, Bruce puts like a little bomb on the glass and. Ksh- it, and then splash uh, all the water comes out and they uh they look at the bodies and he's like everything matches like everything but there's still something uh there's still something missing like the the, the plastic surgery was good but they had like um in their eyes there wasn't enough like of the bloodshot stuff i guess and there wasn't enough water in their body like they were already dead before they were in the water mm-hmm. so they didn't drown in there and then he he like searches inside thomas's mouth and he finds like a little um, a pearl uh pearl from martha's necklace and he's like they had that but that was even before they died and he's like i gotta figure out how they died and then uh we go to leslie tompkins who is leaving her her doctor place and uh some big thing with a bat signal attacks her and she ends up making her way to the roof of the building yeah it's like a giant 
whale-looking monster thing chasing her down. But it has, like, a huge bat logo. Like, it's trying to smash out with a bat logo, I guess. Yeah. Um, so he uh, she makes her way up to the roof and Bruce is like you got to jump you got to try to jump to the other roof and she's like that's at least six feet I can't make it he's like throw your momentum forward you'll make it and she's like too late too late I can't the guy uh, the monster thing makes its way onto the roof but Bruce makes it up there in time to go fight it uh, Leslie tries to fight back and try to hit it but uh, doesn't really do much and it breathes like some toxin into her and he's like get your hands off of her and punches it and uh, it like it doesn't say like a whole word pretty much the whole time. It just, just kind of like, growls kinda a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that's my best impression of the hissing. Thank you. Uh, Leslie goes. Leslie goes flying off the building, and Bruce jumps down after her and grabs her. And right as he grabs her, he looks at her and he's like, "Leslie, are you okay?" And she's like, "I, I don't, I don't think so, Bruce. I don't think so, at." <laughs> and she starts laughing uncontrollably, and she's all jokerized. So that was weird. <laughs> yeah. Not the ending I was expecting. No. I mean, that's pretty much the issue. Yeah. Uh, um, I thought it was okay. Think? I thought it was okay. Just yeah. Uh, not much. Ha- well, I guess a lot happened, but I feel like it's just more setting up things here, which is fair. Yeah. It's the first issue of Tomassi's run. So I wasn't expecting anything crazy, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's setting up some stuff. This huge villain with a bat logo. I, I'd like to know more about him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Leslie's an interesting target because she's like, like so he targeted the Waynes and Leslie, who was like a doctor with Thomas Wayne. So this is something that has to do with the Waynes, I'm guessing, which could be an interesting story, kind of like how Telltale Batman has a lot to do with the Waynes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good way of saying it. Now that makes me more interested, actually. I, I don't. I don't doubt Telmassi. Like, I, I thought even though this issue wasn't all that, I thought the dialogue was well written. Hmm. I think he has a very natural way of writing dialogue. Like it sounds like something that somebody would actually say, which I think is something that a lot of writers end up struggling with. Yeah, yeah. Dialogue just sounds so forced. Yeah, Um, Williams. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited for Tomasi's run, and I'm excited for the build up to 1000, especially because the Arkham Knight is going to be appearing in 1000, which I don't know how it's going to be, but I'm interested. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's curious. We got the the cover. This issue says a countdown to 1000, so that's interesting yeah. I, I think 1000 is going to be is going to be in march yeah so that should be good um what do you rate the issue uh, uh seven yeah that's fair i'd go seven it's it's nothing that'll blow you away but it, you know it's tomasi <laughs> it's, it's always going to be pretty quality um it, it's enjoyable and i'm I'm ready for the next issue. I hope it's good. Yeah. And I'm ready for the build up to 1000, of course. Me too. So, right. that's uh Detective Comics number 994. Now we'll go on to the second best comic of the week in my opinion. Superman, Superman. number 6, Brian yeah. the <laughs> So, this um, issue uh recap before we left off, uh Earth is in the Phantom Zone, Earth got out of the Phantom Zone. People in the Phantom Zone now are Superman and Rogalzar and all Superman's enemies. They're all fighting Superman. And now Zod just showed up. Yeah, General Zod, yeah. General Zod just showed up to fight Rogel Zar because he found out Rogel Zar destroyed Krypton. So he's just like, So, um, starts off, Superman kind of talks about this thing about going fast and how it's like... I loved this quote. I even posted it on my Instagram. I really loved it. Yeah, okay. You want to read it real quick? Do you have the comic in front of you? In the early days, Lois came to me 
it with the relationship. Some idea she said she half heard in some movie she was half listening to on a flight she was half asleep on. But still, it stayed with her. She was now worried that with my super speed, I was going to have to force myself to slow down just to be with her. That I have to make that I really make myself communicate on a normal human level. That it was an effort for me to be with her. I assured her that's not how it works. The effort is in the speed. It's difficult to live in a speed of motion all by yourself. It's lonely. And choices still have to be made. Sometimes life choices, sometimes life and death choices. But on days like today, Zod versus, versus Rogal Zar, Krypton's number one criminal battling the creature that says he destroyed the planet. On days like today, speed is a problem. Yes, I could see a normal punch coming. I can think three moves ahead of everyone but Barry Allen. When I have my head screwed on, uh, when I have my head screwed on straight. <clears throat> but the speed at which of which all these warriors can do, uh, oh, I'm terrible. This <laughs> can and do battle is at a pace most can even see with the naked eye. This entire battle, a battle that is suddenly for the legacy of Krypton, will be over in seconds. My first unchecked instinct is to break it up. That that is my first instinct. Uh, I like the way the dialogue was written there. Um, like it's kind of like in the background. It's not like in speech bubbles or anything, or even in like the squares. It's kind of just like along with the background yeah um i, I kind of just love the comparison with speed and talking about lois because that felt like something straight out uh straight out of mark wade's flash run like when talking about wally and linda which i know i compare everything to flash but i, I do love it like that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's true really good. while this is fighting um or while this is while he's saying this uh superman and zod are just fighting roglazar it seems pretty even zod gets some good hits clark gets some good hits roglazar gets two really good hits sending zod superman back Superman decides for a split second that he should say something to encourage Zod. He doesn't know how Zod got there. He doesn't know why Zod is fighting. He doesn't know if Zod knows what Roglazar did. He assumes so, but he doesn't know if Zod knows anything. So he just decides to say something that he's only said once to Kara, Bruce, and Diana. Supergirl, Batman, Wonder Woman. He runs to Roglazar and screams for Kandor and punches Roglazar. Kandor is a floating city that was shrunken down and filled with Kryptonians, real Kryptonians. Uh, Superman kind of kept it until he knew what to do with them. He didn't know how to get them into a regular area, so they stayed in the city of Kandor. They lived happily as just the new Krypton. Zod considered Kandor as of the start of a new Krypton once they found out how to get them to normal. However, Roglazar slaughter the entire place destroyed the entire area killed every single last krypton meaning supergirl superman general zod are the only true kryptonians left in this world he screams for kandor punches uh Rogozar, and decides okay this is now the fight for krypton we had the destroyer krypton the general krypton and the last son of krypton all fighting and just as superman goes to punch one more time he gets teleported back to earth the Atom found a way to get Superman out of the Phantom Zone and back to Earth. For everyone on Earth, they think they just saved Superman, which they did in a way. But Superman needed to be during in that fight. They needed He needed to be in the Phantom Zone fighting for Krypton. And as he said, he starts talking to them like, I need to be sent back right now. And during this, some guy, kind of some scientist there, because it's in Star Labs, says, It's funny, the very same experiment we were doing that caused the Phantom Zone to consume the Earth in the first place. Gave us the intel we needed to get you back home. I'm going to jail, aren't I? So he kind of just like confirmed that he accidentally swallowed the earth into the phantom zone, which caused this mess in the first place. But they kind of ignore that for now. 
Superman asks if he could be sent back to the Phantom Zone to fight Roglozar and help Zod defeat him. Uh, Adam Strange and the Adam are there and they say, no, we can't just send you back. Listen, Roglozar, he's a bad guy, right? General Zod, also a bad guy. They're in the Phantom Zone. They're trapped. They can't get out. Earth is in danger right now. They need you here. And he kind of like says, but Roglozar, of course, you're right. And he, you get Martian Manhunter kind of does this little telepathy scene. We need we need San Andreas. Yeah, we need Superman and San Andreas right now. We need him there. There's helicopters falling. We need someone there instantly. So Superman decides to fly off. Back in the Phantom Zone, it's just like all of Superman's villains just cheering on Roglozar. Like, Zar, 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 Zar. And Roglozar just beating the hell out of General Zod. Uh, Zod's, one word he says is, I had a dream, and then a Roglozar says, to hell, Kryptonian, grabs him, knocks him out, drags his limp body, and that's the last we see of them. Meanwhile, on Earth, Superman's just flying around saving people, but he's distracted. You know, he's saving people, he's smiling for pictures, he's doing his job, but he's needed back to help Zod out. He needs to be there. As the sun's setting, he flies into the sky and he hears something and he, he checks with his Rex-ray vision immediately. He listens to the specific sounds of the body and the sounds he knows better than his own. Not a shapeshifter. This isn't a trick. Well, if it is a trick, it's a great one. And you see older John Kent kind of swoop down saying, hi, dad, don't freak out. In a new suit, he looks about five years older, I'd say, and smiling. That's the end of the issue. What the? Oh, that was good. <laughs> This issue was good. It, it, it was great. I, I don't love leaving Zod behind, but I think it's going to lead to an interesting story, so I'm okay with it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that was that was that was something. It's so like <laughs> I wanted the fight to Krypton to happen, but the way they got Superman into the on Earth made so much sense, and it, like I understand. But even though I wanted the fight to happen, I understand why we couldn't see it. And now Rogos are just like I feel he's going to kill Zod here. <laughs> So, uh-oh. Yeah. And also, I think Zod's going to hate Kal-El now for leaving him. Yeah, because right? it was like a team of, like, Zod and Superman versus Rogos are, oh, Superman's out. So, and Superman, like, he even said, like, it's good to be with the yellow sun again, because there is no sun in the Phantom Zone, so his powers were weakening, but he needed to He's go like, back there. I needed there. it. Like, I, I, yeah, I feel like I needed it, which means Zod's power, although Zod was under two yellow suns on his home planet. Mm-hmm. So... Like I guess usually, he should be yeah. Well charged, but Superman's fights are to defend Earth, but he's not on Earth here, and it's the guy who destroyed Krypton and the General Krypton. This was Superman's most important fight of his life, I'd say, unless he's defending something, which in this point is just in the Phantom Zone, so he's really not. This was a very important fight that he needed to be a part of, but he was teleported out of there, and now we got older John. What do you think of that? Yeah, I- I'm. I, I'm curious because I was very skeptical of this, but I don't know. In Bendis, we trust. He's really done really well with Superman so far. Every issue of Superman leaves me like on the edge of my seat, and I'm like, oh, I need the next one now. And Same. I hate waiting monthly. Like I wish, I wish it was bi-weekly. I mean, I understand why it's not, but I wish it was bi-weekly. Same. Oh man, it, it's it's one of my favorite titles in DC right now, and uh, it's just it's very well done. I agree. Yeah, this issue and alone. I'm, I'm also curious. Cool. I'm also curious if now that John's older, if he'll at some point meet Zod's uh, Zod's kid. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, wonder, I wonder if they're going to be rivals at some because I don't think they've ever met, right? Not that I can think of. Yes, so um, 
Maybe, maybe an yeah. action? Yeah, I was going to say, there's an action storyline, and I'm not sure if his son was a part of that or not. John was, I'm not sure if his odd son was. If they have met, I don't remember. I don't remember. But, but it, <laughs> it would be interesting to see them meet, especially now that uh, John's older, and I can't wait to see Damien's reaction to John being older. I'm yeah, sure me too. Happen. I don't even know if that would happen in Superman or if that would happen in another title. Because obviously it won't happen in Adventures of Super Sons because that's before any of this happened. Yeah, so... Hmm. It's crazy, though. Are you are you upset with John being aged? I mean, I, I kind of love the whole kid John Kent. Me too. I'm, I'm going to be staying neutral on it. Like, literally, the only thing we've seen of him is, Hi, Dad, don't freak out. So, we... <laughs> I'll, I'll answer that next month uh, for issue seven, if I like that or not. But assuming it focuses all on John. All right. Well, what do you think of Clark's dialogue in the Phantom Zone? Because this was uh, one of the most fascinating parts of the issue to me about, like, um, why does Zod want to kill Rogal Zar so bad? Does he want to kill him because he blew up Krypton? Or does he want to blow? Uh, does he want to kill him because he's hiding something? What, like, because he knew something about Jor-El, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm really curious how Jor-El all plays into this. If like maybe he has some big bad secret and Jordal wasn't the saint that we always picture him to be. Well, I never really pictured him as a saint <laughs> since he returned. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, he kind of kind of hates. Yeah, humans. I guess since it got revealed that he's uh, Mister Oz, then I guess that uh, he's not so much of a saint. But still, it's still like interesting. I'm curious what's going to happen. For sure, I'm curious if if he did something like if Zod and Jor El are responsible for the extermination of Rogalzar's race, and that's why he blew up Krypton. Like, I can see that. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's hard, interesting. It's hard to tell. Less, but it's hard to tell right now. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I can see that. I'm curious where this is gonna go. This is why I need like more issues out. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's killing me. That it, it, it comes out so slow to me. Yes, yeah, uh, What do you rate the issue? I do. Uh, 10 I, th- I, say, I didn't see any flaws <laughs> 10 no flaws yeah uh, I'm gonna go 9.5 I, I love the issue but I'm gonna go 9.5 just so I can make Batman Annual 3 my pick of the week <laughs> Batman <laughs> Annual 3 is my pick of the week for sure uh, I think this one might be my pick of the week I don't know Superman really like Superman better okay I mean Super- you can't go wrong they were both great I mean I'm, I'm biased Superman's my favorite superhero so I might be a little biased but yeah, yeah. Superman <laughs> I just I can't believe how much we've been enjoying Bendis' run. I feel like every time we review a Bendis Superman issue or Su- Superman or action, we're like, "Wow, this was great." Yeah, I'm glad he's so. on Young Justice now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll still hold my breath on Young Justice. I don't know. I, I hope it's good, but yeah. So, um, since there were so many comics this week, we're not going to do all of them, uh, all our DC ones. We're going to go uh, to the Marvel side of things and review the Amazing Spider-Man number. Oh, I just had it in front of me. What was it? Number Amazing 11. Spider-Man number 11. Um, Amazing Spider-Man number 11. So we're done with the whole Thieves Guild stuff, which is good because we <laughs> love it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was that great. Yeah, that's um, fine. We're going on to yeah. a uh, J. Jonah Jameson focus issue. Yeah, which is interesting. Um, so J. Jonah Jameson shows his support for Spider-Man. Say what? <laughs> he's like, he's like, my, Spider-Man is a hero or my name isn't J. Jonah Jameson. And uh, we're like, okay, this is weird. And apparently JJJ supports Spider-Man now because he was Peter Parker. I don't know if this happened recently. It happened in about... Uh, two, in the, maybe in the twenty fourteen. Yeah, in the, in the twenty fourteen Amazing Spider-Man series. Yeah. So Spider-Man revealed his identity to so. J. Jonah Jameson, 
And now he's just like, my God, he's Peter Parker. I'll keep your secret, but you're still a menace. But now I guess he's not. He's like kind of, he, he does his own radio show now. It's kind of like a podcast. He goes like, welcome to a J. Jonah Jameson story. I'm J. Jonah Jameson and Spider-Man's <laughs> a hero. <laughs> and so uh, he's saying that Spider-Man's a hero. People are calling him being like, but you always said that he was a threat and a menace. So like, I always said, are you going to listen to what I said or what I'm saying? So... <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was actually pretty good. Um, and then he does not like Wilson Fisk as the mayor of New York. Uh, he thinks he's a bad guy. But then uh, Fisk invites him to a dinner in his honor. And now he loves Wilson Fisk. He's like, didn't I always say Fisk was a great mayor? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, he, he changed real quick. Uh, Spidey is fighting a hippo, <laughs> a, a giant hippo. So there's there's these little like villain plush toys. They have one of Galact- Galacticus. Yeah, Galactus. He's like, Galactus hungers for friendship. <laughs> yeah so they make little plushy toys of villains and they're all friendly um, and apparently they're really it. rare and like hard to find they're like amiibos so little toys you know little, little toys that are just look cheap looking but they're like really rare and hard to find and worth a lot so people are fighting for these in new york yeah so um he's trying to break it up because he's like yeah these people just want to sell them on ebay what about the kids that want them so then he takes down the rhino and he's able to return the toy to the kid and and he- He's like, well, at least the kid got the toy. And then the kid's like, we'll start the bidding at 200. Do I hear 250? Which <laughs> had me cracking up. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, Peter Parker goes to uh, Robbie. Uh, I don't even know his last name. Robbie, Robbie Robertson. From the Daily Bugle. Oh, wow. That's pretty easy to remember. Robbie Robertson. <laughs> uh, he goes to Robbie Robertson's house for the holidays. And uh, he tries to bring him over, I think, a chocolates, but I got all crushed, probably because he was Spider Manning around. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, he's like, Oh, it's all right. Um, you know, I should probably cut back on the sweets anyway. So he sits down with uh, with Robbie, and um, you see J. Jonah Jameson on TV, who's like, "I got a, I got a dinner in my name, and Spider Man's going to present me the award." And then Peter's like, "Spider Man's going to present it to him." Uh, we find out that Robbie and Jameson kind of hate each other, uh, even though Jameson let him take over the Daily Bugle. He doesn't like the direction Robbie's taking the Daily Bugle in because he's actually reporting on honest stories yeah he's not just making up stuff about a menace um and then peter says that he's got a or uh robbie's son rather has a date so he can't stay around for christmas so robbie's gonna be all alone and peter's leaving too uh i i didn't even realize that uh, robbie's son was peter's roommate i I didn't put two and two together yeah yeah because yeah he's he was in the earlier issues of this run yeah, and I know. I didn't even realize that was his uh, Robbie's son at the time, like in the early issues. I was like, oh, okay. That's that's interesting. That was one of his roommates. Um, so there's this little villain guy. He kind of looks like Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> He's got, he got like red hair and a bow tie, but he looks yeah. And um, I don't know. He was like talking to somebody like through a computer. Uh, anyway, we go to J. Jonah Jameson who pulled up in a limo. And they're like, don't you think a limo is a little much? Uh, Spider-Man shows up. And then him and J. John Jameson talk. And there's a really funny line because he calls him Parker and he goes, e- easy on the arc pay. Like he talks in Pig Latin. <laughs> yeah. Which is really good. Um, anyway, he's like, I don't love Wilson Fisk. And then there's a billboard of Spidey and Wilson Fisk and it says, I heart Wilson Fisk. And he's like, that's Photoshop, which I thought was really <laughs> funny. More than anything, this series is incredibly funny. It's the funniest um, comic I've ever read, I think. Yeah, and it it, it, like, it works, I think, because like, some comics try to overdo it with the jokes, but I think they have a really good balance. Mm-hmm. That's um, Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That had me dying. Uh, 
right as JJJ is walking away, he gets whipped or gets picked up by a whip in the ankle. And there's these three villains. One's like a huge guy. One's got a cowboy hat. One's got sunglasses on. Um, I don't even remember their name. Oh, the enforcers. Yeah. So they're like apparently really old Spider-Man villains from like when he was first. Yeah. An old school trio of mob heavies who always look like they robbed the world's lamest costume shop. That's what Spider-Man says. So they're able to knock down Spider-Man after they threaten uh, J. John Jameson with a bullet and, uh, Spider-Man passes out, and when he wakes up, uh, he's with J. Jonah Jameson backstage, and he's like, just like your lazy generation, sleeping on the job, which is really funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, J. Jonah Jameson's like, pull yourself together. Uh, we need to get out. We need to get out of here. And then uh, Peter's like, I don't think this was my fault. And then we see J. Jonah Jameson. This is your story. And a bunch of like green things and scorpion. <laughs> green things. So, They're like moth I people. Didn't, I didn't, yeah, but and Scorpion's like leading them, mm-hmm. and the next cover has Scorpion on it. So that's Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, it was a good a good what start to an arc. I'm looking forward to yeah. J. Jonah and Spider-Man interacting. Yeah, same. And I thought this was incredibly funny. I thought it was really well written, and uh, yeah, it's about all. It's not there's not much depth to it, but it's pretty cool. Just setting up. Yeah, I gave it like an eight. I had fun with it. Yeah, yeah, I'd give it an eight too. It gave me some good chuckles. Mm-hmm. That's Photoshop. <laughs> but uh but yeah that's um that's about it for the comics of the week just because we're already a little bit past an hour now do you want to do like um, a sentence or two what you thought of flash oh right i forgot about flash this week <laughs> well we won't rev- we won't do a full review but just sentence or two what you think um force quest isn't as great as i was hoping it would be uh, it's not bad but it's kind of just eh yeah that's fair that's like most flash rebirth arcs yep Avengers was hopefully the next few issues kind of catch me, but yeah, Avengers was all right. It was about Jane Foster and Thor for the most part. Uh, you mean She Hulk? She Hulk, yeah, going on a date and you know, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, that, that was about <laughs> all to that. Yeah, Batman uh, Dam Justice League Dark. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, go Batman Dam. Okay, Batman Dam number two came out. That that was the infamous Bat Dick was the last issue. Uh, the art was amazing again, but this is like they really want to make this a dark series. So near the end, Harley Quinn kind of rapes Batman. That actually happened. So, yeah. Um, you know, besides that, it's a big book. It's $7, which is like, Jesus. But there's no ads ridiculous. in it. There's no ads. It's beautiful art. And it's bigger than an average comic. Like, actual, like, size-wise. So, can't fit on my shelf. Ugh. But besides that, uh, you know, it's good. I'll, con- I'll continue reading. I enjoy the darkness. It's kind of messed up, but has me sickened but curious. Yeah. I think that's yeah. all the comics we missed. And, uh... Justice League oh, yeah. Dark, just I'll go over the two that I read that Hunter did not read. Uh, Justice League Dark, uh, really good. This one was focused on Detective Chimp, um, and it's actually like really making him a good character. Um, they're developing more, developing him more than I was expecting. Now I hope they do the same thing with Man Bat, because he's kind of just been the comedy relief. Um, but that's uh, I would recommend reading Justice League Dark if you're not reading it. James Tinion is writing it, and he does a really good job with the characters. Mm-hmm. Also, Constantine and Swamp Thing are in the book, which is like awesome, because I love those two characters. And um, Titans number thirty-one, I want to say. Um, it's I don't. I really only like read the Kyle pages. Like I felt like the other pages where it was like Beast Boy and Raven or something like that. I was kind of just skimming, and I was like, eh, okay, I don't really care. But when Kyle Rayner showed up, it was cool. Uh, Kyle and Donna have a few moments which I thought were good, and I'm looking forward to him being on the book now because it'll actually give me motive to read the book. <laughs> Fair enough. And, yeah, I think that's all the comics that I read this week. Yeah, that's right. all mine. 
All right. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a five-star review or whatever you rate it. Um, I hope if you're still listening that you'd want to give us five stars. Uh, for a hero story, I'm JD. I'm Colin Buckhunter. And thank you for being a hero. And remember, every second is a gift. Bye. <clears throat> oh, wait. Okay, so tune in next week for our Aquaman movie review and possibly, might, maybe not happen, might happen, our third Spider-Man DLC review. And all the comics of the week, of course, and the news, blah, blah, blah. Bye!